Blog Talk Radio. Hello, good evening. Welcome back to Madam Perry's Salon, the podcast where fascinating people meet. I'm your groove mistress, your cruise director, and uh, maybe maybe a spiritual guide tonight, uh, Madam Perry, but you can call me Jennifer, Jen, JP, Perry. You don't have to call me Madam. Um, we've got so much uh, coming up that I've been telling people about. I- I'm surprised... Um, I'm surprised at some of the interesting guests have, that have been reaching out to us to be on the show. We've got coming up, um, oh gosh, Adelia Acker from We're Our Only Fans. Uh, most of you probably know what Only Fans is, where if people want to make some, um, as they used to call them, boudoir type pics or whatever, but only people who are in your fan base can see them and they pay for them. Um, and she's got a podcast about that. We're Our Only Fans. Uh, Adelia's going to be on the 26th, and um, also Brianne Davis. Now, Brianne Davis is a filmmaker, a director, producer, and actor, and she's got a brand-new book out, and it is somewhat it, – it's written as a novel, but there is some uh, some actual parts from her own life in it. So um, it's called – let me get the title right. Secrets of a Hollywood Sex and Love Addict. Next Tuesday, actually, the 19th. So Brianne Davis will be here. And let's see what else is coming up. Oh, I also said I would give a shout out to Frenchie and the Punk. That's Samantha. Um, uh, Frenchie and the Punk is a, a duo that I've met because they play a lot of steampunk music. And then Scott has his own thing called the Guitar Me of One, where it's more like spy surf music. But uh, they've been on the road a lot. They were here in Atlanta for Dragon Con, and they are just on the road all the time. So I told them I'd give them a shout-out wherever they are. And who else? Um, Drayvon James was on a few weeks ago, and she said, you know, her mission now is to make everybody be the happiest person they know. So go check out Dr. Drayvon James's site. She's always, always got something exciting happening, and I just adore her, too. So um, a few weeks ago, we had uh, a guest on the show that I just, I, I just couldn't let go. I needed to find out. <laughs> I needed to talk to him even more because he's got a wealth of knowledge, and he's, he's here to help us. He's here to teach us. Uh, he's a very busy man. Um, and if you don't follow the news, if you're not looking at the paper or news or checking outside, we got a lot. We got a lot to be concerned about with the planet. Um, everybody's, you know, you hear anything from oh, it's normal to well, there's no planet B, so we got to take care of it. But who's taking care of it? So, and these things are uh, speeding up. I think I've read that they, some of the changes are accelerating much quicker than 
than we're expected. So we're going to find out that too. Um, my guest is an environmentalist who has traveled the globe to implement evergreen, regenerative development projects for people, animals, and the environment. But he's also an attorney who has specialized in advancing legislation to enhance sustainable personal, community, and global development. He's currently co-director of Partnerships for Change, a nonprofit implementing international projects to promote compassion, empower women, and abolish cruelty to people, animals, and the environment. And uh, he's got a new book we talked about before. It's called A Rising Soul Pals, Keep Your Eyes on the Rise, based on global stories, um, sort of sourced from his visits to the Indian subcontinent, at China, Africa, um, sort of written in the terms of like Aesop, uh, Aesop's fables. But they, although written as fables, they're, too in, they're meant uh, to inspire action to halt the deterioration of nature and the environment by raising personal and global consciousness. And, of course, I'm talking about, and he's here in the genie bottle again, none other than Andrew P. Michael. Mr. Michael, welcome back. Thank you. It's it's really wonderful to be back. I, I thank you so much for inviting me back. It's a real honor. Oh, well, I am grateful for you uh you know, making, being so generous with your time and, and, and making it to a second show because you're the man that's got um, that's got the information we need, maybe the warnings we need, and maybe some solutions and uh, and, and a plan. I think I think there's a plan in there somewhere. But let's uh, talk first of all, though, before we go on that, I definitely want to talk again about your new book, um, A Rising Soul, Pals. Mm-hmm. Keep your eyes on the rise. Tell us what soul pals are for the people that's, to whom this is new. Oh, sure. Yeah, soul pals uh, happen to be uh, a name for all the different characters that are in the book, characters, animals, as well as people that are in the book. And the reason they're, they're soul pals is because these characters, uh, both animals as well as people, can actually help us uh, learn, a lot, learn a lot about ourselves as well as the world. And they're soul pals because I think they can help us, that even we can befriend them, because I think they can help us learn about ourselves and even help us to raise our consciousness to be more aware of the things that are around us and even ourselves, the things that are in us. Um, and that, that way, they are pals, meaning they befriend us on our journey, uh, upward spiral, I call it, of uh, as we raise our consciousness, the more and more we live. And to me, the consciousness is really what we think and feel about about everything around us and then what it does to us in terms of what we, what we act upon, what makes us act, what motivates us to act. So pals are, are those things, and there also there's a special code that's embedded, embedded in most of these pals, which is a a whole different uh, way of sometimes looking at things, which is their, their acronym, which is basically meaning it's a word, and each letter in that word is, spells out another a word, and together it should be hopefully a meaningful message that, that you hear, but also that you can remember and reflect upon 
so much so that I believe it can become second nature after a while. And these are these are things that you want to be more like or things you want to maintain, but not be taken uh, off of your off of your path. That's okay. Sorry, <laughs> so long explanation. No, that that's that's what we needed to know. And I, I wanted to ask before. Um, when in the first information I read about you, you said that these stories, uh, they're stories with a point, with a purpose, but they're written in a style, uh, as, as I said before, sort of reminiscent of Aesop in the fables. Mm-hmm. And did you do this because maybe sometimes stories and, and cute characters are easy, easier to to read and absorb and stay with you than just reading another uh, another warning report. Yeah, so well said. Absolutely, I I, and I I have to say the stories grew after some of the the soul pals were created. So, um, but yes, I wrote the stories because I feel like that that is sort of a, a, a holistic way or a complete way of of communicating to people so that they can understand um, what's being said on at all different levels, emotionally, you know, cognitively through the brain, and also just intuitively. So that's why I wrote the story, because I feel like characters and the, the tales about those characters help people engage people so they can feel uh, related and understand the people, uh, understand the people and the animals better um, than just like you said, just you know, saying this is a problem. You know, this animal is, uh, for instance, becoming extinct because of these, these different reasons. That not necessarily there. Some of them are not very good reasons, like you know, the way the climate is changing is affecting some animals. The way that people um, go after some of these animals because they find them valuable. Um, anyway, all those things. I could I could talk directly to the problem, but I think. That often um, is not the best way to communicate. I think it often turns people off, and they say, "I don't know. I don't want to hear all this stuff." And that's to- totally understandable too. But but I think these stories we can relate to them. So they're not just a, an issue or an abstract thought or a, um, almost a a preaching being preached at about how things are and how they should be, which I think can be very off-putting and. Um, in fact, um, for many years I worked on public policy around promoting sustainable development, and that is an integrated way that we can develop ourselves and our communities and our cities, um, both in terms of economically making them more prosperous as well as uh, promoting uh, a healthy environment around us, which is important for the economy to actually function, and then also to do it in a fair way so that everybody has access to these to the resources and it's fair, basically fair and equitable. I was working on this project, which I found very personally gratifying, sustainable development, what it really means to do. Um, and I found that as I worked on it for many years, 15 years specifically as this one job, and um, we were really trying to develop a, a big alliance uh, of people, especially people in our community, the mass public, if you want to say. Um, And I found that as we were communicating to many of them, 
Um, but I felt like it was turning people off for the very reason that you were that the reason the importance of stories. The story we were telling was not a well dated story in terms of being able to relate to what we were doing. It was often more prescriptive. We need to do this to prevent that. And I think some people found that off-putting. Mm-hmm. Okay. Okay. I get it. Um, sort of like now, I'm I'm not a sociologist, but I, uh, uh, Mr. Michael, I, I consider myself an armchair sociologist. Mm-hmm. <laughs> oh, until until I went to college uh, and studied a little further, and now I decided that I'm an armchair ethnographer. That sounds like a big oh, better. That's right. <laughs> but anyway, but saying that makes it brings out the armchair ethnographer in me. And it says, mm-hmm. yeah, because people can get, especially when there's a matter of something like cruelty to animals and you see pop-ups and articles and stories and something's about to uh, show you a picture or read a story on the news, you get compassion. Yeah. Maybe it's compassion fatigue or sometimes you just can't stand it. You're just too sensitive to it. You go, I can't look at this yeah. if I can't get over there and help yeah. something. Reading a story yeah. – you're, how shall I say, it feels more like, like your mind and body relax and get into a comfortable mm-hmm. position to take it in, enjoy, mm-hmm. and remember it. And yeah. also, with speaking of, as I was going to say, I was about to say that with Aesop's fables, you know, a lot of expressions that still use today came from mm-hmm. those stories. You know, you, now you hear people mm-hmm. talk about, you know, don't go for low-hanging fruit, yeah. or some sour mm-hmm. grapes, mm-hmm. Uh, slow and steady wins the race. Mm-hmm. Yeah, a lot yeah. of expressions. Uh, someone's known mm-hmm. by the company mm-hmm. they keep. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, and those, those, yeah. are, those are things that uh, encapsulate um, a lot of what's in the stories. And like you said, they're memorable, and even um, they can be good and sometimes not good in the sense that they can uh, create how we think and feel about life. So if, if some of those things are negative, like, um, I mean, I'm hearing this sometimes too, and I know there's challenges, of course, as you get older, but some people say getting older is a bitch or getting older is no fun, but things like that. And, you know, I know there's challenges for sure, but if you keep repeating that to yourself, then never feeling you're going to feel more like that, too. Oh, that's true. Yeah. That's so, exactly. But on the, on the, the reverse is also true. You know, if, the, if these things have possibility in them, then I think that also can be part of your, your thinking, which is can be very positive. Would you tell us about, you know, a couple of the characters and stories in in your book before we go on to the other things? Um, one of the one of my favorites, Chapter Seven. Oct- mm-hmm. and, and here's the acronym, folks: Octopus's Magical Garden. O M G. I'm so glad that you asked that because, uh, yeah, the octopus is. Uh, the Octopus's Magical Garden is interesting in so many ways because uh, as I do all of these stories, I learn about and research um, the characters, especially of the animal characters, 
And the octopus is, uh, if you learn about it, they are incredibly intelligent. I mean, there are, there are true stories of where an octopus has been asked to make predictions. I think these were on, yeah, these were on sports games, and they would make a prediction, and it was amazing. Their level of accuracy in their predictions was remarkable. I mean, that's one story. They they have um, an amazing uh, way that they are. Number one, they don't have they don't have any background, which uh, in some that's an example of a thing that you know it's pretty bad. That, that person has no background. You uh, they have no strength. They're not not willing to stand up for anything. But in the case of the octopus, <laughs> it's great. I mean, they are able to shape shift, change their color, get through the smallest openings because they because they don't have that backbone. They can literally fit into the smallest of areas and then and get through them. I mean, so much so that at um, aquariums where they are, they have to literally block up where they are being uh, held and make sure there's not even the smallest opening that they can get to because they will. And often, often <laughs> at times, um, anyway, the, they um, they have escaped for that very reason. And their eyes are incredible. They can really look at you. And um, and then this is phenomenal. They they have nine brains, which is remarkable. They have one what? brain. That is, what? Yeah. Say that again? They have nine brains. So um, the cat may have octopus has nine brains. And the way this functions is that there's a brain at the end or the shoulder, I guess, of each of their, their legs. Um, and there is also one central brain in their primary lobe, which is what you would think of as, as its head. So that, that central brain actually coordinates all the, other, all the other brains, but phenomenal. Not only that, because of the pressure that they go under in the water, they have three hearts as well. So they're, they're amazing things. But the reason I say all this is because it is the nature of the octopus to be very smart, to, be, to really understand how to best um, use its environment and live in its environment to thrive. I mean, uh, octopus is magical garden. And I call the octopus Coco because I learned that some octopus, um, when they when they want food, instead of going off and hunting or searching for it, they can actually just like uh, they can hide it beneath them. So like they, some octopus will actually use uh, coconuts to fall into the water, and they'll use them. They'll, they'll catch some food that they they don't need to eat right now. They'll put it underneath the coconut, and when they're hungry, they will just lift it up and eat it, which is pretty phenomenal. So, they, they, you know, in terms of their intelligence um, and their, I would call it even their consciousness of themselves, it's really quite remarkable. In fact, being conscious of yourself is one of the things that, um, in a way, defines what human beings are, because uh, that's one way that we, we know that we have consciousness, because we know who we are, and or some of us do, and we know um, that we're there, but there are a lot of animals that some people assume didn't have that, and the octopus fortunately proves that wrong. But the, the garden is magical because the octopus, and this is where it's based on real facts as well as, um, as well as being a story that has 
the fictional, but the octopus, um, this took place in, in the Gulf of Mexico. There was a huge, um, there's a lot of shipping that goes through there. And the shipping was starting to just its habitat where it lived. So this octopus felt like it was very, he had to figure out how to create a safe place for himself or herself rather. And uh, so it decided to create a garden where it would basically create a, a safe area where other um, creatures could also live, sort of like a under underwater garden or refuge. And, um, and the way that the octopus did this was in many ways, um, in terms of nature, because it's very clever in how it puts things together. It can build things much like human beings can too, because of its uh, its legs and its suction cups can really move things around and, and build things. And also um, it can connect with people as well. And there there's actually stories about this too, but, um, and there's the true story is a sad story in, um, where was it, in, in uh, near Seattle, a diver was, you know, was diving off the waters there, and he saw another person, sadly, that was literally bludgeoning this octopus, and he was so repulsed by it that he um, basically passed a law to um, make it so that they had a sanctuary in there. They were, it was illegal to, to hunt them. So, um, so that was also the inspiration for this octopus and that partnering with human beings to help create a sanctuary was what it did. And it and it can it literally can do such a thing. In fact there was a case of an octopus that where there was a diver that went for I think a year or more into the same area in the ocean to, to visit the octopus and it really at a certain point it really felt there was a real connection. It wasn't just observing mm-hmm. an animal or something. But there was real love connection, in fact, in, in a positive way. Yeah. <clears throat> so anyway, but the Octopus Magical Garden um, also has this quality because it because it is in the ocean. It you know, in a metaphor, it really can understand things that are very deep, you know. And because of that, it um, and its intelligence, it actually can organize things. So the Octopus's Magical Garden also. Uh, celebrates its ability to do that. And so a lot of the soul pals that are talked about in the various stories, um, it, is, it has developed in terms of like a, a table of what these, what these different pals are about and what they can teach us and how we can learn from them. And so there's this beautiful table at the end of the, the, uh, the uh, that is kind of a summary of, of the stories and the characters in the stories that comes at the end. But it, it's more than a summary. It's actually a table that you can use. Uh, I, I compare it to, um, for scientists, they you know this, a, a periodic table of elements. Mm-hmm. I call it a periodic, periodic table of consciousness. And it helps you see how different some of these characters can may be able to help you develop your own uh, consciousness and keep growing in that way. Um, so the activism magical garden, though, I do, I do love the, um, acronym for it. Oh my, oh my goodness, because, you know, what a great way to live, to be, <laughs> to be happy about things that you come upon. Oh my goodness. Oh my God. It, it can all, it can all work very well. So that's, that's <laughs> a little bit about the octopus's magical garden. And, and as it says in there, uh, Coco, the octopus, um, in the magical garden 
after you meet her. She's managing her resident cultivators that are in this periodic playground table that Coco has arranged and preserved under her coconut. Yeah. Hey, you know those yeah. little people just because yeah. I, I do. I, I, I think octopus, I think there's, they, we have no idea, you know, like most yeah. animals, we have no idea how smart they are. But, um, yeah. but to put something in there and hide it too, you know, because we always think of most animals as like needing instant gratification. Yeah. You know, when we think, okay, yeah. squirrels might take stuff and hide it. You know, some animals are, mm-hmm. are made to, but it's, but to be able to plan and then use something as mm-hmm. a tool and then delay gratification or save something for later on. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. Good. Excellent plan. That's that's another uh, example of how they are really conscious. I mean, if if you're just kind of um, a reactionary being that just reacts to things and does things because you need them right away. Um, there's not a lot of thinking in that. And so, yeah, it's an example of how they, they are thinking and conscious of themselves in terms of where they are, what time it is, um, and where things that are that they need at a certain time. When, um, so, yeah, so let me say the name of the book again. It is uh, Arising Souls, Keep Your Eyes on the Rise. Um I don't know. Arising Soul Pals, I'm sorry. Arising Soul mm-hmm. Pals, right. Keep Your Eyes on the Rise by Andrew P. Michael. Yeah. You can get that anywhere you buy good books. Now, mm-hmm. talk about, because this is so cruel, you know, the title they gave me, uh, that, that your people gave me, Andrew P. Michael on Raising Consciousness to Heal the Earth and Its Inhabitants. Uh, Michael, we got a lot. We got a lot going on. <laughs> So how are we going yeah. to raise consciousness? How do we raise our own? How do we raise other people? You know, my parents were born shortly after the Depression, and they both grew mm-hmm. up in small towns. So, you know, of course, back then, those people, um, even my husband will, will tell you, because I picked up all that stuff, and, you know, save everything, don't waste every, anything, yeah. waste is a sin. Um, mm-hmm. My husband will tell you, and I'm not ashamed, he says, I'll pinch the nickel till the buffalo squeals. You know, just because we never, not to be stingy, but not to waste anything. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And yeah. uh, we're in a consumer society or world or, um, you know, with everything being pushed in front of what mm-hmm. do you need, the latest thing, you got to have this. Don't you have this? You know, I thought yeah. every time there's a certain shoe, uh, there's lots of places like this, but there's a certain uh, shoe store, you know, you get on these. They get your email and you get this stuff every day. I mm-hmm. get five emails a day telling me what shoes I've got to have. Yeah. And yeah. I'm thinking, I'm hardly leaving the house anymore. I don't need them. I've been giving them away. So uh, mm-hmm. I don't need that many shoes. You know, I just yeah. keep it small. Um, but yeah. they're always making sure you know. They want you to know you need to buy this, you need to get that. And then, mm-hmm. too, uh, even, but since. Since we last talked, um, how, how many things have happened? Uh, yesterday, I read about the the um, the the level of Lake Tahoe has gone down. I think even faster than was expected. Its lowest mm-hmm. point changed everything. Um, so between fires and floods, and not just in our country, but you know, in other countries, what Germany had one a few uh, months back. Uh, mm-hmm. 
really yeah. tough flood. Uh, and then, of course, you read about warming in Florida. It is disturbing the manatees, making them sick. It's disturbing yeah. the uh, the what is it? The grass, uh, the sea grass that a lot of animals depend mm-hmm. on can't actually thrive under yeah. there. It's like people. It's, it's hard to remember. It's like one thing leads to an. It's you know you could call it the domino effect, but it's like one mm-hmm. thing. If this if this gets warm, this animal gets sick. They don't have uh, the sea grass is not flourishing mm-hmm. for them to eat on. And of course. Uh, I, I mean, oil spill, mm-hmm. that just happened again. Yeah. Um, yeah. So you tell me, please, mm-hmm. what, what can we do to raise our, and, and you got to, you know, you got to look at, I got to look at myself too. What can we do to raise our consciousness to heal the planet and its inhabitants? And what can we do um, to, to, yeah. To make it a groovy thing to do. Yeah, yeah. And well, that I like that you said groovy because uh, there's a couple ways I think that we can do it. Um, one is is number one, really becoming more aware of uh, all of the things that are around us, including other people and the environment. And how do we do that? Is really by tuning into tuning into what's around you a little bit more sometimes and often. Uh, as much as you can, go beyond your comfort zone of what you already know, and learn about new things, new places, new new way that people live, other ways that people live. Because through that, our awareness can also grow, and we can learn things. And then through that, um, I believe it's through your awareness and your, which is basically a lot of your consciousness. That's how we can learn to. To do things more to to support the environment, to support um, our communities around us and the people around us, um, because because as we learn about these things, we will um, basically what I think comes together is not only our intellectual thinking but our also our emotions, um, and together they can really motivate us to do things. So the stories also. If they're done well, hopefully they are some in there. Um, they can actually uh, pair not only your thinking and your intelligence about a certain thing, but also your feelings about about that situation or about that animal, um, so that you have a kind of a holistic feeling that is not only it doesn't just live in your head, but it also goes to your heart. And when you fuse those things together you're motivated to act in certain ways and be responsible for more and more things that are around you. And so the key, I think, is to constantly be um, open and aware as much as possible and and learning about new things. And then, but it's not all about always adding, only adding things to you. Just like you spoke about um, the shoe company that you were mentioning, um, Mm -hmm. basically, the in a way that what you're getting um, through your emails or where how are they communicating? There, it's basically advertising, and and the point of most advertising is to uh, convince you that you need something, and uh, and and then by doing that, it it gets into your mind, gets your attention, and because your your attention and mind are now focused on that. Some people will act on that because they, 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 they understand. And they buy, they buy literally the advertisement. 
and it becomes part of part of their thinking, their consciousness, I would even say. So the same thing that advertising does is the same thing that we can do. And instead of uh, advertising to ourselves that we need this or that, um, we're not trying to we're not trying to buy ourselves basically. So we can <laughs> advertise uh, or or speak to or communicate to ourselves in a way that we we'll, we will reflect upon it and we will it'll be inborn in or become more natural to our consciousness and thinking as as we as we want it to be. So I call it you know PBS is public broadcasting system. I call mm-hmm. the way that some of these pals work with us is I call it a personal broadcast system. So mm-hmm. literally things, things around you um, will basically create a thought or a feeling. Um, and if that's a thought or feeling that you want to have, it will be a, an affirmation of that thought or feeling so much so that it will become more and more sub uh, second nature to do that or be that way. Um, so it, Here's an example of a very simple one, but personal broadcast system. Everything around you can can become this uh, reflect back to you what what you really want and how you want to be. Um, so an example is, is uh, there's a story of a dog in in the in the stories here in the rising series of stories of soap house, and one one of the characters is is a, is a dog, and the the dog, um, in a way, has, doesn't have a great reputation in the community um, because it, it's, some people look at it as scraggly, scruffy. Maybe they don't want to hang out with it because it doesn't look very, very appealing. Um, but the story about this dog is that it's, it's in this neighborhood. This woman is backing out from her driveway, and she's kind of moving along. She's got to get to work. And um, as she's doing that, the dog literally barks really loud in her ear because her window's open. And, and, and so the person that's driving stops at me, like, what is the problem? Well, in that moment of stopping, she looks in her in her rear view mirror, and a, a small kid comes into view. So just because that dog was there, it was able to help her avoid a tragedy, basically running into a child. Um, mm-hmm. And so the dog in that case becomes something that now the woman really appreciates and cares for and loves the dog. And um, and dogs, most dogs, um, many dogs that we know, especially our, our pets, are things that we love dearly, and we, we get a good feeling from them. And so here's an example of a, a, a PAL, an acronym mantra, which is like this personal broadcast system. So every time now you see or this woman sees a dog or I would see a dog or somebody else that's read the story that likes it, when you see dog, it also can stand for well on goodness, D-O-G. That's that's an example of an affirmation that that you would get every time you see a dog if you wanted to. That's one way this system works. So it's a affirmation, uh, to, to think a certain way, to think about things a certain way, and to feel a certain way. So that's, you know, a reminder, dwell on goodness. Now, because the opposite, if you dwell on negative things, bad things, that will also be your personal broadcast system and 
What do you think that's going to generate in your mind and uh, what you're going to look for more of, the bad, you know? So, I mean, often another way of uh, talking about this um, personal broadcast system is we uh, tend to look for things that we have uh, experienced and have a comfort with. So if we have a comfort with some negative things, we will actually look for more of those in our life as we're going through our day. And the opposite can also be true. If you're looking for positive things, helpful things, loving things, you'll have more of that show up in your life as well. And so that, that's the power of uh, these acronyms and mantras, which partly is based on the character and what we learn about the character. And, and then it comes out of the, in the, what I call uh, acronym mantras, uh, special messages that can really help us. You're asking develop our, how do we keep continuing to raise our consciousness? This is one way that we can do it. like that and, and it kind of makes a, um, I don't know why the word I'm thinking of get a rhythm but when you have like a little uh, when you have something that's an acronym or not even an acronym maybe just a little phrase you use um, it, it mm-hmm. kind of gets a rhythm that stays with you whether it's um, mm-hmm. uh, gosh I can't think of anything good. a stitch in time saves nine or something like that every time you're going to think yeah. that you know or uh, right. and it's going to stay with you like that so, um, yeah. dog and wag. Wag is well armed goodness. You know, I think that way every time I see a, a tail wag. Yeah. And and yeah. dog is tell us again. Dwell on goodness. Dwell on goodness. Yeah. Which. Yeah. Yeah. With a dog, of course you do. Yeah. And then now I've got that you know thing about dwell on goodness and the dog. Um, dwell on goodness. Well armed goodness. These are beautiful. Let me ask yeah, you, what kind, of react- like yeah, what kind of reaction have you been getting from people or readers about the stories and the acronyms? Yeah, it, it's very interesting. It's, it's mixed. I mean, some people love, you know, enjoy the stories, enjoy the, what, what the character has done. I'm an example, one example. And so they, they'll mention it to that, to me, me about that. And, that's very gratifying. Um, others uh, will say, like in relationships to, to the sort of the coded message on the soul palace, like dog, dwell in goodness. Some of them, some people won't really, um, some people don't relate to that as much as I do. And that's okay. It's everybody can learn in different ways. So even if you don't get the soul palace through that acronym, um, you can get it through just the story and how the how that particular character act and is and how you relate to it. So, so it works both ways, but it's very interesting. Some people like that. Some people don't, which is okay. And in fact, um, so that, that it's, it's a, overall a good reaction. And some, some things I, are not what I expected or hoped for, but that's okay too. You know, there's different <laughs> ways that people learn and experience, you know. So Tell I, me I, one that surprised I, you. Uh, surprise me. Um, yeah. In a, you mean, um, well, in a, in a, let's see, what, in a, in a way to me that surprised me that, that I wish they would have got something different, you mean? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, okay. Yeah. So like um, an example, let me just get that. Um, 
Yeah. Um, so an example is um, I was I was out uh, about and um, we were we were uh, actually out and we were looking looking at some horses, believe it or not. And I thought, well, that's, that's very cool. Um, you know, I just love to watch the horse, the power of the horse and the, the majesty of it. Um, and so the, there is a story in, in this, uh, in the book, one of the stories is um, in the story of the flying rhino. And there's a horse in that where the horse basically offers an opportunity for somebody to to get to where they need to go, you know, and so they help them get there. And by getting there, this person gets to realize what they needed to do, why they were there, what they needed to do, because the horse delivered it, delivered the person to that place. Um, so the acronym for that is, uh, for a horse, is helping others release the sacred energy. So in my mind, it's kind of clear the horse, in its way of being, just helped somebody do that. Because by its very action, it help, helps another person uh, release their sacred energy, their purpose in life. For this happened to be uh, a person who was a, who was a journalist, and they had to get somewhere, but they didn't have a certain means were not available to them, like cars and things like that. So the horse was able to do that. So that that's an example. So when somebody read that story, they they looked at me. Hmm, I don't really think of a horse like that at all. It's like, you know, it's strong, it's powerful, it's independent, you know, it's in a, like a wild, wild horses, you know, they're not there mm -hmm. to help anybody do anything. They're wild, you know. So, you know, everybody has has their own perceptions and that, that is actually understandable to me. But it's, <laughs> it's also, uh, um, yeah, it's also a very interesting way. In uh, when I went to law school, I was actually uh, had some soul pals that I, w I was using a lot just to help me get through it because it, it was a challenge for me for sure. Um, and, and I even wrote a I wrote a poem that was published. Um, and and the person that uh, or the, some of the people that responded to that poem was like, you know, I, I don't get it. Why, why would you do? Why would you say that about this thing? Why would you think that, that that's what it means to, to me? Would mean to me. So it's mixtures, but I, 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 the hope, the hope is that the stories will teach as much as, as the, uh, as the, having that soul power acronym in mind. Mm. Yeah. <laughs> Law school. I don't, I'll tell you. <laughs> I have deep respect. I had to take, I only had to take one law class. That's communication law, and I had to take it twice. So, <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. I mean, yeah, yeah. It, it's a, uh, it was, it was definitely challenging, and it was weird because everybody kept saying, "Oh, you're, uh, you know, in Moscow, you're, you're gonna learn how to think like a lawyer." And I just, you know, when I took classes and stuff. Like I don't feel like I'm learning how to think differently, and it was kind of weird. I was kind of like irritated by that. But on the other hand, maybe there there are qualities that a lawyer has that that I also have that I didn't have to work to work to think differently. I guess so. It was interesting. Now you know I'm going to think about this because you you brought up horse, not I. And earlier mm -hmm. uh, this afternoon, I'd gotten an email from. 
uh, hotel out in Tucson where I'm, I've already got a reservation in, in March for the, mm-hmm. and for the Wild Wild West Con. It's a Western steampunk gathering. Mm-hmm. And this Western, hotel is Western. steampunk. Here. Oh, mm-hmm. okay. okay. You know what steampunk is? No, I don't. You have to tell me. Oh, 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 don't you worry. I'm going to make sure you know. Uh, it's uh, Well, uh, just a short version here is think about like the future that never was, like Jules Verne and, and things like that. Uh-huh. A lot of people dress in Victorian clothes, but they've got a lot of high power uh-huh. stuff, you know, uh, uh, weapons that they oh, – weapons and gadgets and all kind of things. Yeah. And uh, Wild Wild West Con – place in Tucson, but there's a little village mm. there called Old Town Tucson where TV shows and films like Rio Bravo were made, and uh, we right. need to go there, have all our activities. Now, as I told my uh-huh. husband, so we're wearing Western clothes and steampunk kind of merged around, mixed up. As I told my husband yeah. before the last time I went, I said, see, honey, because it's in a little Western village, so we don't look out of place. And he just yeah. kept reading his book. We were in bed. He kept reading. He goes, mm-hmm. Well, yeah, just keep telling yourself that. So, <laughs> but, but they sent me something today about when you're here, you know, you can uh, go on horseback rides. You know, you can go uh, sunset, sunrise, middle of the day. You can have stop and mm-hmm. have a meal, breakfast or dinner. That, And I thought, you know, I have never done one of these things like this. Haven't been on a horse since I was a, a little girl. And so this has been on my mind all afternoon. I started looking through it and looking through. So you bring this up, helping others release a sacred energy. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yes. I, I'm, I'm seeing the way my next steampunk adventure is going to go. Um, I'm just so yeah. glad that you put these stories and these words and these acronyms in, in this way. Because, you know, folks, from what I'm reading... Uh, and of course, all I'm getting is the news that's, that's fed to us. But what I'm reading, we're we're in trouble, aren't we? If we don't, yeah, we are. We are, you know, we are definitely in trouble, and uh, we bet we have got to move faster in terms of uh, our actions to prevent more harm from coming to ourselves and and the world around us. We really like, especially in terms of global warming. Um, and, you know, people should keep an eye out for um, something that's going to happen later this month where there's going to be a very interesting hearing in Congress about the fossil fuel industries. And um, I can't say a lot more about it, but, I mean, if you think, I don't know if you remember, but um, years ago the tobacco people were uh, brought to a hearing as well, and they were being asked, well, did you know? that uh, smoking cigarettes causes lung cancer and horrible things, basically. Did you know that when you were selling them? And, and it turns out they, they, all, they often would say, absolutely not. We didn't know that. Well, there okay. was, there was uh, memos that they had internal to their, their companies that said they did know what, that it was addictive and that it was caused health problems. Um, and after that hearing, a lot changed. The market of uh, cigarettes in terms of the amount of people that were using them went went significantly down. And so, anyway, this uh, fossil fuel hearing 
is going to bring about a lot, a lot of things to the to the front and see how things that have happened since they knew this have been not very good for many people for health, not only of individuals but of the earth itself. So it's you know keep an eye out for that because that could change could change things hopefully as well. Uh, before you go, tell us about uh, you know your co-director of partnerships for change. Mm-hmm. For people who aren't familiar with it, just could you just give a little uh, a description and where they can go to find out more? Partnerships for Change is a is as it sounds. We we partner with various local groups around around the world to to carry out different humanitarian and environmental projects. So, and what we do in, in each of these projects is really, like our mission says, we promote and we advance compassion to people, animals, and the environment. And we also try and abolish uh, cruelty where it exists um, to both people, animals, and the environment. And um, so what we do in actual on-the-ground projects is we, for instance, we support a, an orphanage in northern India um, that is run by an incredible, we call him a spiritual entrepreneur. He happens to be a Tibetan monk, but he lives in India. And he, uh, years ago, and still to this day, tracks high up in the Himalayas. We're talking going over passes of 15, 18,000 feet without mm. extra oxygen. It's his own. And he, was, he went to uh, one of these small villages way up there, and he walked around and he noticed that there were a lot of kids that, he didn't feel they were doing they, they were doing very well, neglected and not being respected or or brought up in a healthy way, and so he would find out that um, some of the kids and the parents, some of the parents, also felt that, and they would ask him, "Please take my child and raise them in a di- different way than here, because it's not good for them." So they weren't actually orphans in that sense, but they were actually asked to be rescued, which is what he did. And then he created a, like an orphanage, a a home for all these kids where they are getting the best education and love, and they're incredible. Some of them that live there, who we've supported through helping to fundraise and create more awareness about about them, um, are now, have graduated from college, and they are have masters, and they live high up in the Himalayas in what some would call, call a cloud forest, where clouds kind of settle into the valleys because it's so high up. Well, these a couple of these kids, these are actually women now, um, have done have worked now with uh, Salesforce, which is a large company that focuses on the cloud, the internet cloud, and so I, I like to say we do. Cloud to cloud development. <laughs> yeah, so that's one one example of of a of a project that we support, where these women are especially they're not only women, but are really um, growing, uh, understanding their their self worth, and really um, um, fl- flourishing. And if you want, it's a way to go from kind of the neglect that they they were living in. I would even call it abuse or cruelty to living with in a way that now they have this incredible sense of uh, purpose and sense of uh, self-worth 
And so that's one example of one project. Um, we're also um, in India, um, we've helped uh, develop a, a feeding our food for people that really need it, especially because of COVID. There's been a, you know, because of what's happened here as well. We, you know, we saw some of those food uh, kitchens just, you know, couldn't handle it at certain points mm -hmm. of the COVID. Um, so we were able to create a project where um, 15,000 people are now fed in this particular area, which is a very poor area. Some people would call it a slum. And so 15,000 people are now getting food every day um, where they, they were having trouble getting food prior. So that's, that's another project that we did. And environment, um, an environmental project that we're working on now in Africa is really to, uh, to basically fulfill the vision that the Africans have for themselves, which is to create a, a green band of greenery, trees, and agriculture um, over 8,000 miles, basically from Senegal to Djibouti. And that's 8,000 miles. And, and a lot of this area is becoming more desertified, desertification, where it was green. Now the desert is, is encroaching on it, partly because of climate change, partly because of uh, the way people have used the resources there. Um, so we're now working on this project that is now growing growing back the trees that will help both uh, both um, the people and also help with uh, reducing climate change because it will draw in more carbon so there won't be as much that, uh, going into the atmosphere and causing global warming. But it also will create uh, work work for people, both in terms of agriculture, farming, and other things. Um, so, so it's a it's a really a holistic development project that builds on builds the environment back, if you want, regenerates it in a way that will help the environment itself and people that live there. So that's a project we're working on, um, bringing uh, resources to them in terms of technical knowledge of some ways that of cultivation that can be helpful, both in terms of agriculture and, and trees, um, but also financially looking for resources so they can they can get this uh, project properly funded to make it grow the way it needs to. So those are those are three examples, and uh, and lately we've been working a lot also on an emergency, the emergency situation that has happened in Afghanistan because of how our war ended and theirs was refueled, I guess, in terms of the Taliban taking over and really oppressing a lot of people and endangering even the lives of a lot of people. So we're helping um, get some families out of there and hopefully be able to resettle some of them in the U.S. Yeah, I noticed on yeah. the uh, partnershipsforchange.org, and I will be sharing that too as well on all of my social media as well as uh, information on how to get your new book. But mm -hmm. on the homepage of partnerships, and that's partnerships, plural, folks, partnershipsforchange.org, on the homepage, it lists, uh, there's a list of uh, different funds and work being done, but the top of it says partnerships for change, urgent 
help for evacuations from Afghanistan. Uh, we're supporting programs to offer safe passage for Afghan girls, boys, women, and men to countries all over the world. So you can make a uh, use the button there to donate to help the evacuation efforts. Thank you. Yes, thank you very much. And so, and so that's that's uh, partnerships for change overall. And we, you know, like I said, most of the work we do is made possible by the people on the ground in those places wherever they are in the world. And so we we partner with them to make change happen in a positive way. And um, and also it's it's like I was saying earlier too. It's, it's a bit also for me. It's a lot of it is about sustainable development and being able to tell the stories of what's happening in these areas to promote the change that needs to happen, both from where it needs to go now, like in some of the um, environmental problems, to regenerating it. So from some that aspect, we both use the media to develop awareness about these projects, and also and through that, we actually help the projects get more support okay. so everything will be here that people can see it's a well it's a well um, designed website so you can find all the information you need uh, right away and if you want to help to you can it tells you exactly what to do um, well you know what it's that time again I have to let you go um. I have to, I have to release you. You've been so generous with your time and, and your stories and your information, and I'm so grateful to you. Thank you. Thank you and, very much. A pleasure. Yeah. Oh, I hope so. This is uh, it has been for me for sure. All right. So remember Andrew P. Michael um, learned about raising consciousness to heal the earth and its inhabitants. Uh, Soul Pals. This book. I'm telling you, Arising Soul Pals, you're going to enjoy it. If you don't already have it, you're really going to enjoy this. Um, you're going to get the good stuff, but you're going to like it while it's going down. You know, <laughs> yeah. what they call, like, yeah. they call that good medicine. Yeah, the Rising Soul Pals, keep your eyes <laughs> on the rise. And, uh, yeah. <laughs> and also... Uh, the partnershipsforchange.org and I'll be sharing the information for all of that so I've got to let you go but thank you again Andrew P. Michael please know that you always always have a home here on Madam Perry's salon anytime you want to come back just give me a call thank you Madam Perry thank you so much Thank you, sir, for all the work that you do and everything that you do for you, all that you're doing for us and the all the world. All right. So, folks, uh, remember next week is um, uh, Brianne Davis. Week after that, Adelia Acker. And now just saying goodbye to Madam Perry Salon. Everybody's got the swing. Hey, be good to yourself. Goodbye good to you each now. other. Good I think you're